0: Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Growing Pains. Uh, Today I will be discussing Depresso Espresso, which is just depressive episodes, um, how I handle them, and just really like the harsh truth behind episodes such as those. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very cuddly one, uh, to be honest um kenny came by this week actually well it was actually last week and this week um it was actually really crazy because saturday night we went out to a restaurant well not really a restaurant i don't want to even call it a food court either but it's like this dining area it's called box yard and they have like several uh restaurant in these little boxes and uh, Uh, it's from different cuisines, so like Indian, there's a Vietnamese stand there, there's a Mexican stand there. I got a burrito, which was so delicious. He got a quesadilla that's in the fridge right now. He introduced me to Gatorade, the Fierce line, which is so good. I am absolutely addicted to watermelon, apple, and cucumber mint as of now. Maybe I'll drink more Gatorade and just hydrate myself. Um, What else, what else? Oh yes, and so we went out to Boxyard around like 8, got back around like 10, and then he decided to pass out, and I stayed up the whole night because we had to leave Tucson at 3.30 a.m. to drive up all the way to Phoenix, Uh, to drop him off at Sky Harbor and so we did that and then I felt like such a bum sleeping in the car um oh yeah I I didn't even tell you guys yet so my fuel pump gave out which was very oh, oh it was a whole situation I drove up to Scottsdale to pick up Kenny and then we drove back and right when we parked outside of a vape shop Uh, we went back to the car, and it would not start, Uh, and so it, like, rattled, and then it didn't start up at all, like, it kept sputtering, called AAA, uh, came and checked the battery, it was, the battery was fine, and they're just like, yeah, like, we can't help you, and I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me, and so it had to be towed all the way to the dealership, and uh, the dealership, took a look at it and was just like, "Oh yeah, like the fuel pump swelled up. It like can't I can't like get the pressure released." Um, so we are going to need a lot more time to get it fixed. And like I thought that more time meant like another 2 to 3 hours. No, I'm not getting my car back until Tuesday Wednesday. And so I was just like, "Okay, what am I going to do?" Cuz my car is only like a little bit more than a year old. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like this isn't through wear and tear like this is definitely through production error like this is this has to something. this has to be an error made through production or like someone fell asleep on like the assembly line like this is definitely not my fault so they gave me a loaner car which is nice so i have a car right now that is free of charge so i don't have to like uber back and forth while they repair my fuel pump um or rather until they get the fuel pump in and then like put it in and uh, it was really frustrating because i was literally like they kept sending me and kenny back and forth between people because no one was talking to each other and it turns out that they didn't even submit the paperwork for it and i was just like dude like what the heck like i'm totally convinced that like some guy or girl slept with another person's spouse and like everyone is just petty in the workplace, just like no, not talking to you. You slept with my husband. No, nope, not talking to you. You slept with my wife. So ugh, it was it was so frustrating um, and nerve wracking, and it was just a very anxiety fueled time. And I literally was going to be like, you know what, if you can't get a fuel pump in, if you can't get these documentations in, if I am going to be redirected to a a 5th, 6th, 7th person one more time, I am going out into the parking lot where you have the display cars. I'm taking out a fuel pump and putting it in my car. We're not having this today. So, but it all worked out for the better. Hopefully there's no more bad juju in the air and so yeah so I slept in the car in Tempe and then I went out to go get a green juice and then drove back to Tucson and then while I was here I took a a nap and by nap I mean I slept from 10 a.m until 4 p.m and then went out got ready Uh, I recreated one of the salads from culinary dropout which is this I think it's like romaine salad with strawberry, fennel, and candied pecan and goat cheese. And so I found this goat cheese at Trader Joe's that was infused with honey in it. And with that, I also paired it with a peach wine. It was only like $4, so it was probably a, mos- probably a Moscato if anything, but it is absolutely delicious so that was that and then I'm also like having a pest control done in like hmm, two days because I'm finding like cockroaches in my apartment which is like so embarrassing to admit to Kenny every single time he comes over he like kills cockroaches for me and I'm just like there is literally nothing more embarrassing about like having roaches in my uh in my apartment like you have roaches in your apartment. Like, I know I'm not dirty. Like, every single surface I have in my apartment is clean. Like, there's no, like, food crumbs literally anywhere. Like, I'm not the type of person to, like, leave oil streaks on the stove top like that's how spotless I like to have everything and like just to have roaches in my apartment is just so embarrassing because you see all this talk on Twitter about like she got roaches in her apartment she's for the streets like no like I just live on the ground floor of my apartment complex so like literally my apartment is like a free-for-all for like all types of bugs and then, oh yeah, my bug catcher also uh, broke, so I got a new one. <laughs> wow, this week has just been so bad, so bad. Um, but I'm really glad I got to see Kenny. Uh, I really, I really needed him. Um, yeah, I just, I just really needed him. I'm really glad I met someone like Kenny. Honestly, I, I wake up every single day and I get my text from him, and I'm just like, ugh. I am so grateful to have you. Like sometimes I just I get drunk and I'm just like, "Ugh, you are absolutely my soulmate. You're just you're you're my soulmate. Like all these tarot card readings that I see on TikTok, uh, they're just further verifying you that you're my soulmate." And he was just like, "Uh, uh oh, okay." And I'm just like, "Great. Now I scared him." <laughs> uh, hmm, what else is going on with my life? Not much actually um I'm catching up with friends this week or not this week but this coming up week which is I mean technically this week because it's Monday now well I'm also filming this well, not filming recording this at like 140 in the morning Monday morning so yeah which reminds me today will be the day that I will get my flu shot uh from the company since they will be providing free flu shots for employees so I will be doing that. Um, I've been getting a lot of cell blocks at work lately, which is nice because then I'll, I'm preoccupied for like four hours while everyone else like does. I don't want to say like the boring work, but like just the work that I'm not a big fan of. I don't like sitting at like my desk and accessioning like and just like processing samples because there's just so many paps. And I like working around with cells. I like trying to make a cell block out of things, which like makes me kind of curious as to like. Okay, when we get like samples, sometimes we get like really clear samples and it's not like murky or cloudy or anything and that's when I know it's a really good candidate for a cell block. but when a doctor orders something uh for something for a sample for example like a cell block, and the sample is like super clear i I'm just like you <clears throat> what what made you think that I could do a cell block out of this like did like I hate I hate putting in orders for another order where it says like oh I can't process this because I don't have enough like there's a insufficiency of the quantity needed to make a proper cell block because when they order it usually it's you know they're ordering it for a reason so, but, you know, besides the point, whatever. So, without further ado, I'm going to do a trigger warning right now. This is your last chance. Trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. i want to say it three times. Um, this episode will mention suicidal ideation and self-harm multiple times. So, please, if you, it's not your thing, if you get triggered by this, if you, you know, it's not your cup of tea please do find another episode or just like exit out of this and like wait for another episode, which is God knows when because I upload whenever the heck I want um, to watch if you are easily triggered, okay? Because it will be generously sprinkled throughout this episode. Um, I will not be saying trigger warning every single time just because it happens so often uh, within this script and within this episode planned. So please like again this is your final warning uh exit out if you are easily triggered you do not do well with these types of topics and you know just go back to another one or go to another episode okay so without further ado let's get actually get into the um the topic so today we're going to talk about the sads and so the sads is something that i like to refer to as brain goblins i actually stole that idea from a friend and sometimes she gets these intrusive thoughts and she refers to them as brain goblins which i think is a very useful way to refer intrusive t- thoughts because hello like you don't want them and they're ugly like that that's basically a goblin uh so intrusive thoughts are very strong for me personally and sometimes drives me to want to kill myself Uh, I think the reason why I haven't went ahead and done so is because I fear pain, being alone, and how, how I will die. So that's why I never went ahead and attempted suicide, but I was very, very, very near to doing it at times, which is why I call the suicide hotline and I get very volatile during times of high stress. I remember when I was constantly running to and from class, trying to balance a relationship with family and friends, trying to deal with outside circumstances, just all these things, just balancing all these things. And it's a lot to handle. A lot of the stress load was new to me because usually your parents are there to soothe you and you know be there if you need them, but I didn't have my parents because they're halfway across the world and also they're kind of emotionally absent so you know it's not really their thing my relationship with them wasn't necessarily the best so i didn't really reach out to them by choice anyway you know like again like my they live in a different uh in a different location but they also live in a different generation you know my dad isn't too big on mental health he went through an entire war that probably traumatized him so bad but he still claims that he's like you know he's fine like oh you know I went through a war but like will just casually bring up like being shot at or like seeing people burnt to death or like charred to death or just things exploding all around him and you know my mom is an advocate for mental health but yeah, you know, there's only so much that she can do because she's not a licensed therapist. So today I'm going to discuss that what I do to get things to be better for me. And you know, it's it's gonna like I said before, it's gonna be a very hard to swallow uh episode, uh, with a lot of hard to swallow pills. So this is in no way, shape, or form me giving you advice. Again, I am not a licensed therapist. I am merely stating things that I have realized for my life and what you know, could potentially work for others and me sharing what I do, I cannot guarantee that it will work for you. So let's off with, start off with triggers and what triggers my episodes. I used to be on birth control and they would literally make me feel like I was going crazy. I was so emotionally numb for months during these times. So I relied on superficial pleasures to make me feel something like make me feel just something and this resulted me into getting into a really unhealthy friends with benefits relationship with someone who did not reciprocate the feelings I had for them so you know maybe I'll do an episode on like casual hookups but you know that this was definitely not casual um I felt like it was more intimate than casual. We knew a lot about each other. Granted, like we met each other back all the way in freshman year, so that's a lot of knowledge built you know on top of each other. There's a lot that we know about each other. So it's not just like, "Hey, I'm here to fuck. Okay, bye." It's more so like, "Oh, how's your classes? Oh, I remember you doing this like a couple months back. Like, how is that?" You know, it was a lot more intimate. But this very well could have been one of his manipulative ways just to get what he wanted. Um, I also have synesthesia, so certain events that are particular colors will trigger me to the color associated with my depressive episodes. Oh, someone is dying. Oh, wow, that is right outside my apartment. Okay, well, um, yeah, so... Uh, my casual relationship with this particular person triggered my depressive episodes. Birth control triggered my depressive episodes. Um, My synesthesia triggers my depressive episodes. I have something called the blue bear feeling, and it's something that my sister and I share. How I see my depressive episodes is just, you know, being tired, not being able to get out of bed. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that accompany these depressive episodes, but the blue bear feeling is just a very, very uncomfortable feeling that's deep in your gut. And how I visualize that is like a white background with a tile of blue bears with darker blue paw pads and a darker blue stomach that is illustrated on this white background. And for some reason, that is associated with every single one of my very uncomfortable um, feelings. So, you know, the things that remind me of that. Uh, or things that are that quote-unquote color will trigger my depressive episodes. You know, it's a a really weird way to describe synesthesia to someone who doesn't have synesthesia, but it it just, you know, just bear with me. So, you know, it's not a very nice feeling to be reminded of how grueling the experience was to be triggered and to be brought back to these types of times, these types of experiences. Certain names will be triggering, especially those who caused my episodes or just didn't care that I was trying to get help from them so there's a lot of things in my environment that could trigger me but it is my responsibility to make sure that I process my trauma first because it's not your fault that you had to go through those experiences but it is your responsibility now it wouldn't be a growing pains episode without a hard to swallow a hot take so here's mine a lot of times, with depressive episodes, you tend to not prioritize self-care as much because you can't bring yourself to take care of yourself. You know, that's just—it's not a bad thing. It's not like a, like a, ill. Like you can't take care of yourself. Like it's not, sh- sh- its just something that happens. Okay, this can manifest as a loss of appetite. You know, not eating that's not taking care of yourself a loss of interest to do things such as hobbies see friends that's not a you know that's not a healthy relationship with your friends to just be hermited in your apartment that's that's not healthy um and loss of interest to do mundane things such as brushing your teeth showering doing laundry doing dishes so it's not just you know it doesn't just manifest in like brushing your teeth being like ew you don't brush your teeth like no like it's Unhealthy mechanisms that help you cope with these depressive episodes, or as a result of these depressive episodes, it can manifest as you know physical unhealthiness or mental unhealthiness. It's just a whole lot of things, okay? So now I recently had to, you know, go through moving apartments, which was extremely stressful because I was trying to live in two places at once, half of my apartment was set up, Airbnbs, you know, so on forth, so forth. I feel like I said that in my previous episode. My boyfriend came for a couple of days to help me, but I quickly became reliant on him to set up Ikea furniture and make a plan of what to unpack. So naturally, it was time for him to go. There came to a point where it was time to go. He had to drive back to San Diego and I felt completely lost without him. He was the one to, he was the one who set up furniture and I felt like I couldn't do it by myself. After he left, I Balled my eyes out for like six hours straight and stayed in my apartment until midnight. Boxes everywhere. Like, I just did not want to do anything. And I dreaded going back to the Airbnb because I know his shirt and his scent is all over the pillow and it was just going to make me cry again. So, it was at this point, I cried so much. I had no tears left, but my heart was still aching so much. So, and I feel like this is like the worst type of pain where you cried where you can't cry anymore and it still hurts. And I felt like I wanted to give up, so I asked my mom to help me with the rest of the boxes. I was anxious to start the day because I didn't know where to start. There were so many boxes. I mean, looking back at it now, it just prepares me to move again into another bare apartment without furniture, unlike student housing. But like I knew that if I didn't start putting the IKEA furniture together, I'm not going to have furniture for my apartment. The boxes in my apartment aren't going to put themselves in their designated places and the IKEA furniture isn't going to arrange themselves. Some serious work needs to be done. So yes, I'm in a place of extreme distress. You can take a break, maybe grab some Starbucks and then go back to your apartment, but you still need to put in the work to set up your apartment. So one thing that I would like to touch up on is self-care. So a lot of the things... Or a lot of the times when people talk about depressive episodes, they mention that they haven't been showering, brushing their teeth, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been there, you know. I've definitely been there, you know, not to the point of not brushing my teeth habitually or habitually not showering but I did go through those nights like those during a really really bad time I would come home exhausted from school and would fall asleep on my bed because I would be battling my intrusive thoughts every single day for however long I was at school and then I would go home and then I'd be alone with my thoughts and I'd be like I'm just gonna close my eyes just a little bit and then I wake up and it'd be daytime and all my makeup would be on my face and the next morning I would have like tons of breakouts on my face when I took my makeup off. I also wasn't feeding myself right because cooking took some serious effort. So I ate out a lot or didn't eat enough so my metabolism was affected. I was training my body to, be, to retain more calories because I would fluctuate between eating a lot and barely eating. And that's not healthy. And the thing is, with all things considered, your body is smart but not that smart. My teeth wasn't going to brush itself when I fell asleep at 3 a.m., my hair wasn't going to wash itself, and the food in my fridge isn't going to cook itself. I've seen a handful of issues where the person who was personally affected by the choices that they made due to the episodes that they have You know, it's not called a fight for nothing, which is what I like to say to myself, because fighting these episodes takes some serious effort. It takes a lot of effort to even get up out of bed, to brush your teeth, to go shower, to go to school, to come back home, do your homework, and all that stuff. No one said it was going to be easy, but I have seen some serious issues resulting from habitually not brushing their teeth, not showering, not taking care of themselves, and So, you know, this is what I've been seeing, what I've been trying to incorporate into my routine when I was going through these chaotic emotions. You know, because they do get really, really bad, I don't think I've ever felt so much despair after Kenny left. And this went on for days. And, you know, this isn't a competition. I know that people have these going on for years months you know my episodes last for a couple of days like a period <laughs> um, and then I got my period for like you know a week later and I was like oh you know that's why my emotions were all over the place so such mundane things part of the everyday life such as washing the dishes cleaning up the house we are taught to do it in a particular way we are taught to you know go shower brush your teeth you know you can go to sleep whatever you know we have a routine for ourselves soap up the dishes rinse the food thoroughly before you put into the dishwasher but when we go through these times of crisis it gets really hard to do it because we don't focus on the outcome of those tasks but instead we focus on how much effort it takes to get the job done and sometimes we're suctioned onto our beds or our sofas or a seat wherever we are you know because it takes so much effort to just get up out of bed um and you know because what oh because being in the sads takes an insane amount of effort to battle and the emotional toll that it takes on us uh it gets hard to do these things. So for example, I look at the 13 huge boxes i had in my apartment. I get intimidated because that requires hanging each individual piece of clothing onto a hanger and then getting another hanger into the closet and then putting that into, the, that into the closet and like all these things. Oh my gosh, that box goes over here. That box goes over there. There's so much to unpack. But when you see it like that, you're less inclined to attempt the job, at least for me anyway, because you know, you're, you're not, You're not lazy, but you're just so drained. But who said that you have to scrub the dishes first before putting them into the dishwasher? I'm sure there's like a social media post uh, that's like not new to a lot of you, but a therapist has suggested to run the dishwasher twice. Like literally screw the conventional way to do things. Do it the way that's convenient for you while still achieving the same outcome. What's going to happen if you run the dishwasher twice? What's going to happen? Literally nothing. Except maybe the dishes are going to be really clean afterwards. It takes a lot of effort to wash the dishes. You know, you got to get the soap. You got to scrub it through. And then you got to put in the dishwasher. Or like if you have to hand uh, wash them, then you got to like scrub it really good. And then you got to make sure there's no grease on there. Like the plate's got to squeak for me. And then you can put it on the dish rack. Okay. Run the dishwasher twice. What's going to happen? Maybe like a high water bill. But like, you know... run the dishwasher twice. I know that you're used to, you know, scrubbing it and then doing it in a particular routine, but just, you know, just run it twice. That's a solution. You achieve the same outcome. My usual routine is brushing my teeth after I shower, but in cases that I am way too drained, I brush my teeth in the shower Who says you have to brush it afterwards? We set ourselves up in a routine where it seems strange to stray away from it. And when we do, it feels intimidating. But we have to remember that it's okay. And even in a time of a mental crisis like this, it's a change in our routine because we're very obviously not in a crisis all the time 24-7. So change in our emotion is no different than a change in our routine. And both are okay. We just need to know how to handle it. Now one thing that is very hard to bring up is the general idea of taking care of ourselves. Trust me I've been there. Like I said before I didn't take care of myself the best way possible when I was going through these long periods of depressive episodes so I completely understand but one thing that we always must remember is accountability. As said before our traumas are not our fault but it is our responsibility. I slept with my makeup on before and woke up in serious breakouts. My teeth were stained because I drank coffee uh, because, uh, you know, I was tired and uh, because I was sleeping without going through my usual routine, it wasn't getting the cleaning it needs, you know? So my teeth were not getting the best of care. Maybe I was brushing it, like, once a day for, like, three days, so... Yeah, you know, it's a hard thing to face because we feel shame that we let ourselves become like this, and it's not healthy. Uh, and you know, it's not a healthy way to look at ourselves, especially at our self esteem. Everyone can agree that not taking off your makeup off for a night is not healthy. You know, you shouldn't do that. But it's definitely not the end of the world if it doesn't become habitual. And when these things do become habitual that's when it becomes a serious problem. And I've seen it envelope a number of people and it's actually really hard and sad to see to live around a depressive episode and have it envelope you and let it be a part of your life and that's no way to live. It's not that you can't do it. You have been strong for a really long time and you're exhausted and it's time to rest. But sometimes a battle with the sads is done with rest, not vigorous effort. You don't have to, you know, be a ram and just constantly ram your horns at the wall all the time to get through these depressive episodes, to get through this hill, to climb up this hill. Sometimes you're just going to sit at the base of the hill, you know, just sit and reflect. And be like, okay, you ready to this? You ready to do this? Okay, we can do it again. That's still progress in its own. So, when I say it's called a battle for a reason, it means that it challenges you and makes you work for recovery. Recovery isn't going to come to you, you really have to work for it. And one thing that I like to add about habitual bad. Mm, habitual bad habits, that's kind of like redundant, but just bad habits. You know, when you make not brushing your teeth a habit, when you make not showering a habit, and I've seen this in people, okay? So this this isn't just me making things up and just being like, oh, well, you know, if you don't shower for a month, you're gonna get chlamydia. Like, no, like I've seen this happen to people. Is that your body isn't going to wait for you you know your body is going to respond appropriately it's going to respond in the best way that it knows how physiologically it doesn't it, it, i'm not gonna say that it doesn't give a fuck about you but you know if i could tell my teeth to be whiter after i drink coffee and if it works like i would totally do it but it doesn't work like that so it could cause serious harm to your body when you don't pay attention to it more than good, obviously, uh you might end up with cavity gingivitis, and that is a fat hospital bill to pay a very fat hospital bill to pay uh when you don't shower, you're more at risk to getting infections, and you know with those types of infections, you might get. Oh, I don't know. What's a common one? Uh, I was about to say MRSA. MRSA's definitely not common. Um, What's that one? No, I was going to say bubonic plague. That is also not correct. <laughs> uh, I was also going to say SARS. Why Why is it not clicking? It is s- not saps. Mm. What is it? Now it's bothering me. It is... Okay, now I'm going to look it up. Staff. that's what it is Staff. you're gonna you might you're more at risk to get a staph infection so you know so just something to keep in mind about just something to keep in mind about uh so anyways back to my point but Anne, i didn't have to have i didn't that was horrible let's take that again but Anne, i didn't ask to have depression and i didn't ask my dad to neglect me as a child but here we are that's just how the cookie crumbles so What does it mean when depression makes you work for recovery? Well, let's start off with a couple of bad habits. A common thing I see is missing brushing your teeth or not showering. You know, we can all agree to miss a couple of brushes or showers. is not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. But when it becomes habitual, that's when it becomes a problem. So one thing I'd like to point out, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, is that you have to do it yourself. Your body is not going to clean itself. So if you habitually do not brush your teeth, there will be inevitably plaque buildup. Your tooth health will deteriorate. If you cope with depressive episodes with fast food, your body is not going to recognize that it's bad for you and it will only respond appropriately the only way it knows how. It's not going to say, oh, well, seeing the level elevated levels of cortisol in Anne's system, we're going to metabolize this canes a lot faster so body issues won't become a problem. And we're also going to metabolize this so that she doesn't get uh, greasy food reaction on her forehead greasy food acne on her forehead you know I really wish it could be like that but again that is not how the cookie crumbles so I've been working on the script for a couple of days and we were having our weekly bible study my friend and I and we were talking about consequences I asked her how do we know when bad things happen in our lives if it's God's way of disciplining us or it's a natural consequence of the natural order of the universe And after giving some thought, she said, God never wants us to suffer. He is all-knowing and all-loving and that would, you know, he wouldn't do anything to smite us. Although, you know, it's very much uh, alludes to the Old Testament. But besides the point, she starts by explaining how you have to reach a level of self-awareness to understand natural consequences of the world versus the work of God himself. Also, God interchanges between being male and female and in my head and my mind imploded that day of him being the embodiment of love, but you know that ain't the point. For example, if you have unprotected sex, the natural consequence of that would be that it would heighten your chances of getting an STD or to become pregnant. Now, it's really not the work of God to give you chlamydia or gonorrhea or to put a child in your life that when you're not ready... But still have to be fully responsible for it. You know, God doesn't want you to suffer through that, but that's a natural consequence if you do not take precaution and if you are not self aware of this and if you want to be you know, at this point is reckless because it's unprotected sex and all of us should, at least I hope, should know about protected sex, you know, but you know, it has the same idea. So the same applies for these episodes that some people may have. You feel less inclined to take care of certain things, but these episodes make it significantly harder for you to achieve that. So you don't, for example, brush your teeth. A natural consequence of that will be heightening your chances of getting gingivitis. So how do you get out of these depresso espresso episodes? The harsh truth is that you probably can't. Uh, but what you can do is change the physical aspects of your life wow why did I say that you can't get out of these depresso espresso episodes maybe a better way to phrase that is that you can get out of these episodes but these episodes will always exist and that you can change the physical aspects of your life to avoid these episodes okay there we go So like I said before, recovery takes work. So first, you would need to find the determination and perseverance to go through this journey. If you don't feel like you're ready and it feels overwhelming, that's okay. But at least try a little bit every day because this is no way to live. Find out what makes you happy when you are not in these episodes. Is it going to get coffee? Is it calling up friends? What? is that that makes you feel at peace. For me, it's sitting at home watching H3 podcast episodes with an illegal pizza rice bowl and a scented leaf tea and a cider. I enjoy drinking on the weekends now, but I don't use it as a coping mechanism. When I feel like it's too much waking up, sometimes you have to compromise. You know, n- not every day is gonna go your way. You know, I love to stay at home and cook, but sometimes I wake up too late. So you may not, have all the strength to make meal for yourself, so just to get takeout, you know, So that I've done that a lot. My friend and I had a conversation about making food because both of us have problems with food intake, and she said, when I go through these episodes, I try to eat so that I am alive. I eat for, you know, to be able to live. Um, And when I get all these episodes, I eat based on food quality. So what does that mean? You may not have the energy to make a nutrition-packed salad with salmon, avocado, goat cheese, fennel, which is actually one of my favorite salads from Culinary Dropout. Um, I used to get canes twice a week because that's all the energy I had to get. And that's okay because, like I said above, you eat so you have energy. And when you get out of these episodes, you can eat based on quality. So when I get out of these episodes, I make a salmon with cheesy potato skin and a side of Brussels sprout, you know, something that is nutrition packed and healthy, but, and I don't struggle with food. I literally want to kill myself. And I've definitely been there. I was going through a lot of problems with documentations as a result of incompetence from administration. And I was just like, you know, if I get one more email about, we never received this. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. So I totally understand. So it, seems like everything is piling on top of you, that there seems like there's no end to it. You know, just when it's going good, something happens. So I personally like to keep myself occupied, paint something, take a nap, make some tea. It's easier said than done. But by doing that, I put it in the back of my head just for five minutes. So imagine a brain goblin, because remember, these intrusive thoughts are brain goblins, or I'll try to imagine them as brain goblins. Uh, Throwing a really big temper tantrum. And this is something that I'm also currently working on. So, you know, let me know how it goes for you guys. Um, Pushing all types of buttons. You know, a a goblin rushing from this part of the brain to that part of the brain. Pushing all types of buttons. Flipping all types of switches. In my head, making me go crazy and manic. Making me feel all types of of emotions. Uh, You know, oh my god, I'm gonna go home and kill myself. Ranking from what is the most painful way to kill myself to the least painful way to kill myself, applying my EMT knowledge, being like, okay, well, like, if I restrict blood flow here, this is what's going to happen if I stab myself here. This is what's going to happen. This is the part of protocol of, like, EMT. Uh, and it's just, you know, that's abusive information. I'll, I'll admit that. But, you know, that's that's what my brain goblins do. It uses and abuses my degree and my medical knowledge to be able to off myself. Um and I do this. This is very real. But when you minimize it to it not being your fault and not you being a sack of shit with a shitty brain and being like, "I, you know what, I'm a sack of shit. The world's better off without me. When you imagine your, I don't want, I want to say chemical imbalance, but your intrusive thoughts as this other thing rather than, you know, than you and you separate your intrusive thoughts from yourself, it becomes a physiological problem. To me, it's helpful. So it's not diminishing your problems and that you need help, but it's also not making it your fault, and there's a difference between your invasive thoughts and you as a person. I value life, I enjoy going to Trader Joe's to buy plants, I enjoy doing Bible studies with my friends uh, or with my friend on Sunday, I enjoy seeing my boyfriend, I enjoy FaceTime with my dad, even though every single time we talk it's about applications to higher education, but you know, besides the point, there are good things in my life and I I acknowledge them and by having this brain goblin pressing all types of buttons in my brain, sometimes my vision of what makes me happy gets fogged, Uh, so what do I do? I give it five minutes, an hour, however long it takes, okay? You okay, buddy? No? Still angry? Okay, I'll give it another hour. You know, just imagine it like a crazy, cracked out toddler running on like five pixie sticks, just running around all over the place, throwing a temper tantrum, giving out all these intrusive thoughts. You know what? You you okay, buddy? No? Okay, I'll give it five. I'll, I'll check back on you in five minutes. If an hour is too much, five minutes is okay too. Check in with yourself. Hey, brain goblin, still pressing buttons? Okay, you know what? I'll come back in five minutes. Just keep doing that. Keep doing that and I'll, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here. I'll check up back up with you in like five minutes. You're distracting yourself from these horrible thoughts and every increment that passes is another reason to live. It's another step towards progress and recovery. I never said that this was going to be easy. It takes a great amount of discipline to set this boundary between your invasive thoughts and yourself and practicing it too. And you're probably looking at your phone being like, does this bitch really try to live, laugh, love through depression? But this is how I deal with my emotions and ways I would like to approach the problem. You are open to incorporate it or just disregard it. I'm not one to say how you should deal with your problems. You know, I don't have that power. You hold that power for yourself. So what's it going to be? Are you going to acknowledge A need for a change that will not be a smooth journey or will you say no it's a part of me and I will let it grow inside of me and accept it that it is a part of you I'm not saying one is better than the other but we all know that the outcome of both scenarios is very different from one another I'm going into another part of this sad that's often not talked about because it's just a gray area you know we're, we're moving on to like gray areas now So in some areas, there is an advocacy of taking care of yourself. And sometimes it's not just face masks and green smoothies. And, you know, sometimes help comes in the form of medication, therapy sessions, and worst case scenario, you know, something more institutionalized, you know, very like critical care for mental health. But Anne, you'll never understand because you've never had to go into a mental facility. You know, you're absolutely right. But I've also been raw-dogging my suicidal ideation since 7th grade. So, you know, I am familiar with multiple cases where it shows traits of addiction. You know, I've never been medicated. I've never, well, I can't say I've never been to therapy, but I understand is where I'm coming at. This type of mindset, you know, the type of addiction, the feeling of being in a dark hole, in a dark place, can get very addicting it's so easy to slip into it. Because once you slip into this mindset, it's a fight every single day to get out of it, which shares a lot of characteristics with addiction these people that I'm about to present are a very small population of the mental health advocate community but I still think it's important to shed light on it I'm guilty of these traits too so and I wanted to um, better myself and change and take a step towards recovery because I refuse to live out a chunk of my life having this powerful mindset control of me I want to take control of my emotions and keep them in check will there be shitty days yes because that's a natural environment of the universe. But knowing how to not overreact with dread and, oh my God, this is the end of the world in certain situations is healthier for me. And I recognize that. So there are certain environments where we can slip into a dark mindset. We stay put. I can't give you an exact definition as to why we do this, why we choose to stay. But for me, it was because I was scared of change. I had a situation where I had a friend with benefits I liked him a lot more than he liked me and there was an obvious clash in our personalities and the way we feel about each other and he clearly did not respect me enough to care about how I feel or at the very least alter the way he spoke to me or acted towards me and I still kept inviting him back even though I kept telling myself that I was going to cut him off next week. Next week would turn into another week and then another month and then it's been a year i'm going to compare this with something that is a little bit more controversial but again i do think that's important to bring up it's abusing your diagnosis and keeping yourself in a victimized mindset you can't victimize yourself when you are the one refusing not to change but and i never said that i was not guilty of anything Any of this, okay? As I said before, I am guilty of literally all of this. So it's calling me out as much as it is me calling out other people that I know. But the difference is, is that I tore away the roots that were growing around me so I could get up from the ground and walk. These roots growing all over me, kept me in my dark hole, kept me to the ground in my dark mindset and thoughts. And the roots were everywhere, in my veins, in my brains, in my ears, literally everywhere. It was in me. It was a part of me at one point. And when you rip out these roots, you have to rip it out of your veins, out of your ears, out of your nose. It's going to be painful. No one said it wasn't going to be painful. You're going... To bleed. You're going to cry. You're going to want to give up and say, you know what? I'd rather just lie here. I'd rather just lie here and let these roots consume me because that's not painful. I don't bleed. I don't cry. You know, I get it, but ripping these roots out is going to allow me to walk, to run, to go to places that I've never been before. You cannot deny that the outcome of a person who is willing to grow through these growing pains and those who choose not to are very different. So I'm going to stop beating around the bush and just get into it. You know, not listening to your therapist is one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to complaints. You are not going to go to your friends and complain about how life is going bad for you. And when I ask you if you are practicing what your therapist has suggested, you say, "Ugh, no, no. Mm, Yeah, maybe. No! When your therapist says set your boundaries, maybe it's a good idea to set your boundaries. Just like when my sister told me to cut that boy toy off who didn't respect me, she said it for a really good reason. You know, there's a whole... (sighs) <sighs> okay, so how I imagine it is that shitty people are going to exist everywhere into your, in your life. Okay, there's shitty people everywhere. We know this. So in your life, we each have a garden. I actually wrote about this in my creative writing class, but that ain't the point. Each of us have a garden. And how we protect our garden is how we protect ourselves, our hearts, our minds, everything about us. If you do not build a fence, a fence that is your boundary people are gonna go into your garden as if it's free because it literally is when you do not have set a boundary and you say you know what i walk all over me i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you into my life it's like oprah you gotta take it into my life you gotta take it into my life everybody gets a ticket into my life that's great you know you're very open to these connections but that also allows shitty people into your life shitty people are lazy okay they they're They walk into your life, take what they want, and then leave when it's convenient for them. That's what a shitty person does. And they exist everywhere in your life. But when you set this electric fence, for example, okay? For me, it's an electric fence. For you, it could be like a Donald Trump ball. I don't give a fuck, okay? For me, it's an electric fence. And outside of that electric fence is a sign. That sign says, you have to treat me right. You have to treat me with respect. You can go into my garden, but, you know, be out by 9 p.m., okay? If you talk to me, these are the words that I would like to be addressed as. No, you may not call me a racial slur. I do not find this funny. You know, treat me with respect. Talk to me with respect, and I will respect you. I will allow you into my garden. We can have, we can share some nice lemonade together. Stupid, stupid people. Shitty people are lazy okay they're lazy they are stupid and they are incompetent when they walk up to my electric fence they say oh great I could just jump the fence no you can't when you jump that fence you'll get electrocuted and you get past that fence you will get your ass will get tased it is very very protected okay and when they read through these guidelines of your boundaries they're gonna get discouraged because they're just like I have to work through all of this just to have a lemonade with you no Mm -mm. I'm gonna walk out And there you have it. No shitty people in your garden. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that there's like no shitty people in your garden. Like There's like 100% of the people that are going in your garden are like not shitty people because, you know, they're really good at disguise or whatever. But when you set that boundary, you lessen the shitty people that you allow into your life. Now, that definitely means that there will not be as many people in your garden for like maybe like a hot minute. But it doesn't give them the opportunity to take advantage of you. But it all starts from building that electric fence to begin with. Because if there is no fence, they're just going to go into your house and steal your lemonade. And we can't have that. So moving on, the topic of abuse of a diagnosis, the lack of accountability. You know, I have no right to sit here and say, well, I have a conflicted idea of what parental love looks like, so that's why I'm going to keep attracting boys who don't respect me. I'm going to keep bringing them in, you know, keep bringing them in, not going to build that, you know, electric fence. You simply cannot blame a trauma or a mental disorder entirely um, you know, sorry, I I missed that up. You cannot blame a, you know, a poorly made life choices on a, on your mental disorder and trauma. And I mean, compl- all of your life choices on your traumas and mental disorders. I have met people who have prepared the documentations before they even attempted the assignment. They procrastinate, they procrastinate, they procrastinate, and then like you know, the night before, they're just like, oh, well, you know, I can just turn in my, uh, my documentations from my doctor. I think it's no big deal. She'll understand. Like, she has to. I've met people like that. I have also met people who showed off their medications, you know, oops, I'm mixing alcohol with my antidepressant together. I'm gonna get so tipsy tonight. I've seen people abuse their medications like that. And like, first of all, You're not taking this seriously. There are people out there who can't afford health insurance and you are here mixing your medication with alcohol as a joke. As a joke. And you're doing it because you think it's funny. And you have explicitly stated to me in front of my face that it is funny. So with ignoring what your therapist says on top of abusing your diagnosis and medication, why do you do this? Why did I not listen to my sister when she told me to cut my boy toy off? It all boils down to lack of accountability. Oh, I can't cut him off. He's the only one, he's the only thing that gives me comfort in terms of what love looks like because I have abandonment issues. You know what happens when you have to face and fix your abandonment issues, Anne? You can't use it as an excuse to invite that boy toy over anymore because when you, when I start working on myself, when I start working on my parental issues, what what love actually looks like, I realize that's not love at any type of level. Now, I don't care if it's like a casual relationship, that's affection and intimacy on some level that is on the spectrum of what intimacy looks like, but that is not what good is intimacy looks like and when I fixed my parental issues and I ha- when I have a good idea of what intimacy looks like and when I have come to terms of what my dad has given me, what my mom has given me, what their love looks like and when I've you know fixed that, I can't blame that anymore. I can't simply look at my dad and say, you never loved me as a child so this is why I uh, depend on superficial pleasures by, you know, by other boys. I can't do that when I've come to terms with that. The same way where there is a lack of accountability when you do not work on your problems so that you can use that as an excuse for your other poor life choices. You know, I can't sit here and say well you know i haven 't been able to get my schoolwork done because I have had these really depressive really bad depressive episodes, and this is the reason why you know my house isn't may not be clean, and my schoolwork isn 't done. okay, fine. then I go to therapy, I get these medications, and then I get myself into a better mental place. I know how to handle my emotions, I know how to handle my depressive episodes, I am medicated so my the chemical imbalances in my brain is a lot better than it was, you know, maybe like what, like a year, two years ago, six months ago, whatever. Okay. When you figure that out, you have to face that whatever you do boils down to you, that you fucked up. You were the one who didn't get these schoolwork done. And although your depressive episode can explain your behavior, when you better yourself, you can't blame your depressive episodes. You can't blame something that isn't there. When you, when I'm not having depressive episodes as a result of me taking steps to better my life, I can't say, oh, I didn't do my schoolwork done because I have depressive episodes. When those depressive episodes weren't even there. Because you got yourself into a better place now. So whatever you did, you fucked up and you have to take accountability for that. So you know what? That's just my soapbox on it. That is just my soapbox on it. And, you know, I know I'm going to get like, this is a very controversial episode, but I feel like it does need to be said. So with that said, I will return with a much better episode and we'll finish off the rest of my wine and the rest of this podcast, uh, this H3 podcast, so, with that said, I will see you in the next episode, okay, bye!